0: Welcome to the Working Moms Guide to Sanity podcast, your go-to resource for support, advice, and inspiration as you navigate the challenges of balancing your ambitious career dreams and your family. Each week, I'll bring you interviews with powerhouse working moms who'll share their insights on how they manage to find sanity while juggling their demanding jobs and kids. I'm your coach, Elizabeth Pearson. I'm an executive coach for women in male-dominated fields, and boy, have I heard it all. I've experienced a lot. I'm a mother of two young girls. And the women that I interview somehow built these businesses, climbed the ranks of corporate America and followed their dreams all while being a mother and clinging to their sanity. And you can do it too. Each week I'll show you how. Welcome to the show. I'm your coach, Elizabeth, and today's guest is Cy Wakeman. She is the author of many books, but the one we're really going to kind of focus on today is Life's Messy, Live Happy. Things don't have to be perfect for you to be content. My God, does that ring true? We had a wonderful conversation about what it's like to be working moms, how there is a lot of mom-on-mom competition here, and what we really need to do to change the narrative. How do we get that village we're all seeking? And we also you know, really address this topic of like, can you be an over-delivering all-star rock star at work while still being a mom? So the answer may surprise you. So we had a great chat today. I hope you enjoy it. Definitely like, pay attention because she drops lots of knowledge. This isn't just about how to get ahead at work and what kind of leader to be. This is really about, I think, how we can heal our inner child and we can be a mother to our children that was the mother we actually always wanted growing up. Sai, thank you so much for being a guest. Um, We were just chatting prior to hitting record about how I've had my eye on you for a while. I really am excited to finally have you here so I can ask you some of these tough questions that I feel like there's a lot of talking heads out there commenting on quiet quitting, quiet firing, work-life balance, drama, is that a culture killer, all of the stuff. But you guys, we have the expert here today to provide some insights and give us some tools maybe on how to navigate sometimes these dicey waters at work. So thank you for being here.
1: You are so welcome. It's such a pleasure to get asked to be on a great podcast like yours. Okay, great.
0: Thank you so much. Well, let's get it started. So Sai has um, a wonderful, you know, feed where she has all of these like little snippets of her keynotes. And one that really struck me was actually an interview that you were doing. And you were talking about how you had taken some time to have some babies, and you had been trying to attain this work-life balance. And you sat down for a review and it wasn't what you expected to hear. So I would love if you could just kind of start us off with that story side, because I feel like it gives us a lot of insight into who you are and then why the springboard into your writing and your podcast might have kind of developed from that.
1: Absolutely. So I hope I can hit all those points. But the story I think you're referring to was there was a time in my, you know, performance review history and early career, and I'm the mom to four sons. I was the mom to four stepsons. I had eight Kids under between junior high and high school for a while. And those who are stepmoming, bonus momming y'all know yeah. that that's a tough one too. But I was just used to being the star student, the star girl, like at whatever expense, I would overfunction, I would overgive. Like I was the top of every game and I got rewarded. I got fives. There was one year that my team, my HR team came up with. A business process patent we qualified for a patent and we became revenue producing not a cost center so that the accounting teams like had to figure out what to do with the money the hr earned by selling our process to other systems and so i got a five on my performance rating i got a nick for trophy my team got a reception we got spot bonuses and to me I thought you just figure out how to get A's and then you just keep doing that at all costs. So the next year I went in and my boss was um, really glad to give me my performance rating. She's all excited. She's like, I'm so excited. I just want to tell you, you are consistently meeting expectations. We're so happy to have you on our team. And when her consistently meets, I'm like, excuse me, where's the exceed? So <laughs> I'm so um, happy, I'm giving you a three and that comes with your 6%. And I'm like, oh, girlfriend, back up, back up. And what I realized in that moment, and I process later, is I had overgiven and I thought I had a deal. And a lot of us walk around as martyrs mad because we didn't negotiate. We thought we could give all this stuff and then somehow magically people would notice and like give it to me. And she said, well, what do you mean, Sai?" And I said, have you forgotten who I am? I was a five last year and she was such a good boss. She's like, oh my gosh, I've not forgotten that. Thank you so much. Your patent has been revenue producing, but we settled up, right? We gave you a raise, we gave you a bonus, we gave you a trophy. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, so we're even. And this year I'm like giving you a three. I was so insulted. My whole identity. I've never gotten a B on a test, even through my master's program, my righteousness was so big. And I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening to me. And so she stopped everything. And she said, oh my God, let's talk about that. Good job in college. But they settled up with you, right? They gave you tassels uh-huh. and a hood. And I'm like, I just couldn't believe that the end of my people pleasing and performance and deals with the devil was ending like this because I was exhausted and and I said, but I always do more than my fair share. And her attitude was, well, thank you. We appreciate that. We expect that from everyone. And so I got very demanding. I said, no, 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 no. I demand to be a five. And she goes, oh yeah. my gosh, okay, be a five. And she's like, here's what you, so you can get another patent? Or I'm like, no, I'm not working here 24-7. I'm not working here a week. She's like, then be a three. Say, so be whatever you want to be. I'm not changing the grading criteria, but be whatever you want to be. I'm like, I want to be home with my kids. I'm not going to give my whole life to you. She's like, awesome, be a three. And I'm like, but I want this. She's like, then be a four, be a five, be whatever you want to be. And that same boss was so good to me because there was a year I had two babies in one year and they were not twins. Oh, my gosh. And they had put me in a new role in finance. And I'm horrible at finance. I had to date a finance major to pass finance class back in the day when I was in college. And she came to me and she gave me a two. And she said, you're not keeping up with this role. You're, even though you're a novice, you're not learning on pace. And she said, so don't take this personally. Just know this information. This isn't your best place in the organization. And so we're going to move you. And so I've had in my career twos, threes, fours, and fives. And what I had to do is every year, Instead of people pleasing and performing and hoping to be chosen, I had to decide beyond my conditioning, beyond, you know, the, the cheap bonding of, you know, being the good girl in class. I had to grow up and decide what balance I would strike this year, given my life, and then be okay with my natural consequences. Got a three, 6%. I can't be mad. If I want a five, then I need to offset something in my whole life. And once I started seeing reality clearly in that way, I started seeing reality clearly in a lot of my relationships. I lived in a lot of fantasy, fantasy. I could do it all fantasy that I even wanted to be a good girl, fantasy that I was better than other people or more capable or that they didn't do that on purpose. And that, you know, I just needed to like hope they got better as a partner. I just had to get out of all fantasy and just start saying, here's what I need. I am putting a boundary out there and I'm going to watch what you are. Are you a boundary innocent? Which means the minute I put a boundary out there, you're like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that was a preference. Yeah. Let me try. And when you screw up, it's innocent. There's boundary testers that it's like, I get too much out of you over giving. So I'm going to just exhaust you and make sure. And then there's yeah. boundary destroyers, which are, you're not playing by my rules. And I like, I won't have it. And I would put a boundary out there, not for how other people should treat me, but how I would respond if treated that way. And I would watch the people in my lives. And there were very few boundary innocents. And I had surrounded myself with a ton of boundary testers. And I was already exhausted. So I made their work easy. And I married two boundary destroyers, because I was trying to heal childhood wounds with adult relationships. And When I started seeing reality as it really was, I started making choices as a grown woman and a decent mom, but I had to be willing for people to be wrong about me in order for me to live the life I wanted to live. And I had to get rid of, I'm a five because I can be a five. I can be a three. I can be a two. But can moms be
0: a five and still be good moms? Like- I think that it sucks that we have to even ask this question, right? Because, I mean, you can argue that every parent feels this way. I think just, you know, I mean, we just know we felt it. I don't think men, they're not held to the same standard as far as like, you know, what's expected for them to carry at home. So it like I even see it now, like my husband will be working long into it's dinner time, but I've stopped my work you know, to go be with the kids or to make dinner. And it's just, that's kind of expected, right? Even though we have a very egalitarian relationship and he'll apologize when he comes out or whatever. But I feel like, I mean, are we just screwed side? Like, are we ever going to be able to be fives or is that just an unfair, unrealistic grading system? And to impose that upon women, is that really making it a fair playing ground?
1: Yeah, I think the answer is like all of it, all at once and none of it, because yeah. I think anytime we get into polarized thinking, we become the victims. Yeah. So is the system rigged? So here's what I would say to them. I would say, one, I think entering into a system that still is rating you one to five is archaic system. So if you right. can put a place right. where you literally just contract, like what business impact do you need me to have this this? um This year or this quarter. And then we're clear. I'll deliver that. And then I'll determine the how. And so I can say yes to the what. And women do this a lot. Women think their only choices are yes and no. And it's very polarized. So we have a lot more choices than that. And we can say yes to a lot more things. But where we need to step up is to negotiate the how. So First, a kid's story. I had um, these eight kids and we had one kid left at home on a Friday night and he had been injured in football, junior high football, thought his whole life was over. So I'd given him a couple of weeks before this great lecture on you got to diversify. This is a great time to like go to the theater, and watch your friends in music. So like any good teenager, he uses my words against me. He came and he's like, mom, uh, remember when you told me to diversify? I'm like, absolutely. He's like, I want to go watch that at the theater. He has a play tonight. And the words that came out of my mouth were, no, absolutely not. And what a surprising answer, given my righteous lecture. Right. Well, we lived out of town and we had basically a UPS logistics system to figure out on one van ride, how to get every kid to where they needed to go. I was home in my pajamas, just, you know, relaxing with a, a nice cup of tea. And so my answer was no, because as a woman, I'm like, if I say yes, then I have to get dressed and I have to run him in and I have to wait in town and I have to bring him home and I have. And so I thought my only option was no. And through a lot of beautiful mentoring, I've learned I have more options because when I said no, it got even worse. He was my last kid standing between my husband and I having a night with no children, which when you have eight is the most beautiful thing in the world. Okay. And so I said, no. And I'm like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. That's not what I meant. My answer is, yes, you can go. Now let's talk about how you would get there. And he's like, well, you could take me. I'm like, you know, sorry, that doesn't work for me. What other ideas do you have? Let's let's thought partner together. And he was like, well, you can pay for Uber. And I'm like, gosh, let me check my budget. You know, I have a job and I have my own gas and and I have an Uber budget, but I know th- you have some money. So that could be something you want to do. And he just got teenage disgusted. He's like, so you want me to do stuff? And I'm just like, I'm thinking with you. Then he blackmailed me. He goes, he tried to, he goes, that's mom, a kind mother who cares about her children. I'm sure she would take me. And I go, oh my gosh, what a beautiful right idea. I her. That's mom. And that's mom, came picked him up. And it was an extra trip for her. And she's obviously a little codependent. So I thought, well, I need milk. Maybe she'll pick up milk for me on the way home. And oh God, that's I asked her about milk and and it wasn't that I felt inconveniencing her. She has a right to say yes or no. Right. I'm not in any competition here. I just know that I want my child to be able to do that. But I have a limit and boundaries aren't just like my non-negotiables. They're like my preferences or my limits or and so... I was just like, oh my gosh, I love that we have this soul. You come up with such great ideas, Charles. I appreciate that about you. And yeah. off I went to have my cup of tea. And I think that when we see ourselves as victims, that the whole world's attacked against us, then we keep ourselves underskilled. Mm. Underskilled in boundaries, underskilled in emotional regulation, underskilled in parenting, where we get guilted by our kids, like, People who are skilled up in love and logic parenting can have these conversations, people that are skilled up in these areas. And so where there's pain in your life and you're a working mom, you either are using an outdated skill set for a new reality, you're using a less than modern or helpful approach and you are, or you're just, you're unwilling. You want to do it like your mom did it so that you can prove something. And so one, if I'm at a place they still rate me one to five, I've got to come to peace with that. I have to stay in joy and just know that some years, oh, I'm fine with the three and or leave in peace. But so many women stay in hate and stay and complain. And it's like, get your mind around it. You get enough benefits working in a system that doesn't support you or not. And a lot of the here's how it's like, um, I want to negotiate. A target goal of five. And so what would make a five worth it to you? Um, my butt in the chair isn't gonna be a negotiating tip because I won't I, be here. I will be flexible. I want to be with my kids, picking them up. I'll leave from time to time, you know. Like, so if you were that person, then grow up as a female, get your other women behind you and go in and say, if I were able to create this, regardless of the hours I worked or the meetings I missed or would that be five worthy to you? I because love that. Most women, on a God, can create, like, I add a ton of value in a few minutes because of the experience I bring to the table. That's why right. I don't charge by hour. And people will say, you only spoke for an hour and this is what I pay you. I'm like, you yeah. have paid me for 45 years of amazing insight and evolution. So yeah, that's, that's what we yeah. to. And men, we as women, have to honor ourselves enough to be willing to walk away when we get our answer, because a lot of times people yeah. give us our answer and we won't believe them, and we 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 won't walk away because we're not very skilled at grief and we're not very skilled at uncertainty, and mm-hmm. so if you skill up in those things, you can walk away from anything.
0: Oh my God, I love so much of what you just said, but I totally agree I walked away from it because I just didn't like somebody telling me how valuable I was. just the whole review process was like cringy, like it It just because there's no way they can really see the sacrifices you're making. And they're not paying for that. They weren't paying for the times that I missed, you know, tucking my kids in when they were teeny tiny babies because I was traveling. Like it was just, oh, well, travel's part of the job. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm essentially working 24-7 for the next five days. And that's not being captured. You know what I mean? So I, it just always and You'll never win an
1: argument because if you're begging for somebody to value you, you're on the wrong right. side of the
0: Exactly. And so that was what it was like. They're not going to change. So I have to decide either I'm okay with this and this is acceptable or this is no longer acceptable. And if it's no longer acceptable, then what's my next move? And I knew that I could bet on myself. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the person who dictates what I financially earn. And there can be a bit of a ramp up. But I think women think it's like a much longer ramp up than it oh, actually then. is. Like I was, I cycled what I made the first year,
1: you know, like, I did too. so I want to ask you like, and because have you have privilege, had... I want to acknowledge that some of us have privilege, like some of totally. us are in, in, in different situations, but um, I absolutely agree. I just want to, I'd say that question because I just want to comment on that, that a lot of people are so mad at how others treat them and they treat themselves worse and, and we judge. And so I had to really grapple with this question whether it was leaving my marriage or not, or whether whatever I did, being a traveling single parent, I had to grapple with this question, am I willing for people to be wrong about me to live the life I believe in? And that was, that's been the biggest question of my life. And I'll never forget, my kids and I, my kids uh, went to parochial school when they were really young. And we're back in Skype and fax times. Like they would fax their algebra homework to the hotel I got to. We would yeah. Skype and I would do algebra with them and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But while we're there, My like six-year-old was like this woman in the church basement who had a lot of conditioning about what it was like to be, what a good mom should be, was like, oh my gosh, isn't that so hard that your mom's like never home with you? And isn't it hard to like not see your mom? And she was just doing this kind of old lady out of her own conditioning. So I can't hate that. We all have been so conditioned, like we're imprisoned by it unless we transcend it. Totally. And so, you know, my son, I was so proud of him. He was just really kind and loving and she wasn't elderly. And he's like, you know, now like I love it when I see her on the weekends and we get out and I go, sweetie, what was that like for you? Which is a great question because moms, we assume, wasn't that horrible? And that lady, ask your kid, what was that like for you? Don't impose your conditioning on them because you're triggered. And little Will said, oh my gosh, like hasn't she ever heard of Skype? Oh my God, I love that. He wasn't missing me at all because he grew up that I was present every night. I read him stories of her I like and maybe not every night, you know, but as much as you could, I think.
0: But I think that that's huge because I don't know about you, but I was a latchkey kid and I had a mother, a single mom who worked very hard. And my sister and I were left to our own devices more than I think we wanted to, like at a pretty young age. And, you know, I carried a lot of blame and frankly, you know, I just really shaded and shitted on her for a lot of years for doing Mm -hmm. that. And at one point she was getting her master's and then she joined the Air Force and I hated that too. Like it was just, it was this feeling of like, I think deep down there was this pride because she was modeling to us that like, you really could do whatever you want, but it was coming at a time
1: where it was nearly impossible to do what you wanted.
0: Right. But in my mind, too, I felt like she was choosing that over being with us. Like, I thought now as a mother, sometimes I think, well, that's too steep of a price. I'm not paying that with my kids.
1: But you could choose that.
0: Right. But like, it's all different. But I I bring this up because it happened just yesterday morning. So si. I have waking up, I have been waking up like super early to go um, on a walk, right, to get my walk in because... Like you, you know, I'm in front of uh, Zoom all day with clients. And so if it doesn't happen in the morning, it's not happening. And I'd asked my husband, I said, hey, can you get up early with Vivian? Because our kids go to school at different times now. So Vivian's up usually, you know, downstairs by like 6.15. So if I'm on my walk at 5.45, I'm not home yet when she comes down. And we've empowered her to make her own breakfast and even her own lunch. And she loves it. But I said, hey, you're going to be traveling this week. So I don't want her like alone. Can you get up with her? And he said, sure. So I walk in from my walk and my daughter is sitting here at the table and it's still kind of dark because the sun hasn't totally come up yet. And she's eating like, you know, a dry toaster waffle and that's it. Right. Not this berries, yogurt uh, smoothie spread that I make her. She's just sitting there. And it's just was it. I just looked at it. I saw myself and I thought, oh, my God, it's happening. No, like I must need to sacrifice my walk now. And frankly, I blew up my husband. I'm like, where the F were you? We talked about this. And he's like, I literally walked upstairs. Like she had just walked down. She sat there for two minutes. But in my head, I, I literally, I walked in and I started crying. And I said, I'm so sorry, Vivi. You will not sit here in the dark eating your breakfast. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And she goes, mommy, I'm fine. And she came and gave me a big hug. So to your point, like, It wasn't her. It was me seeing myself as a child alone when I wanted my mom there and she wasn't. And I told myself I was not going to be that kind of mom. But to your point, we only have so much time. So what's going to give here? I can't give up my physical exercise because then I'll just be a demon like it won't work. But I love that you said that. Like, how did that feel? Really, this whole narrative is like a runaway train in our head about our kids suffering and What if they didn't get picked up the earliest from daycare or they they were the last one at the Y after school or something like that? We just think this is going to put them on the couch of a therapist
1: for 20 years when that might not be the case. And we can process with them. What was that like for you? And if it was traumatic, we can not say, oh, my God, I'm never going to walk again because I have to protect you from the world. That doesn't skill your daughter up. It's like, okay, so let's talk about if I have an agreement with dad and in his humanness, let's say he didn't forget. Like, yeah he isn't here for you. What could you have done? Not to blame the kid, but depending right. on age appropriate, um, well, I could go wake daddy up. That sounds awesome. And some days when the teacher tells you something and then doesn't follow through, you're going to have to just ask again. And so it's that balance of, if this happens, how can I be there for your experience, but not validate the sense you're making of it out of my own wounds? And that's, that's a adulting. And for me, I grew up with a mom who, I mean, my parents divorced because my dad found Ms. Magazine and birth control pills after she delivered seven children. And she was the main supporter as his business went up and down. She was like this fantastic realtor, the first female licensed realtor in the state of Iowa. Like we're talking in the 60s and 70s. But I had my dad conditioning. My dad got us in the custody battle because, you know, my mom worked and couldn't take care of kids. Like, But I also leaped his thinking. And I also in my marriage played into that where I ran myself ragged to be the best mom. I was always critiqued. I was damned if I do and damned if I didn't. But I was the one that stayed for that, still trying to get somebody's approval. But as I did my healing work, I always felt as a little undermothered. okay? I had this thing where I was kind of mad at my mom about it. And I did some really profound healing work, some drug-assisted healing work. And in that altered state, I found my narrative wasn't at all so I was kind of going under and this drumbeat was happening was the psilocybin it was um mvma so and psilocybin's helped me too my last year I've been doing a lot of journeying with um a therapist it's healed me and as I was going under I was in a tent and I was scared to death and I felt all that feelings I'm like I'm here alone I have to do this on my own and my guide just told me like I'll be back in six hours And like oh my god like. And it just hit me how alone I was. And then I looked up on the sand dune, like in, in Egypt, and these women were coming, Gorda and Mirin and Don and Kathy Frost and like hundreds of women. The women who made sure I got to go to state gymnastics tournaments, the, the teachers that sent me to a special library to get books because I could read when I was in first grade, that all these women came and I was like, oh my God, I'm not gonna be alone. And they go, oh no, you're gonna do this alone. We just are here to send you off. And what I realized is that my mom didn't mother me, but she damn well made sure that I had some of the most spectacular women in my entire life that I was mothered. by if you had to build a top 20 list of who you want your daughter loved by. Yeah. And I forgave my mom in that moment. Like my mom in her conditioning and her innocence and her trying to figure out the world, she may not have mothered me in the conventional sense, but I have been so mothered up to and including what accompanied me on the journey was the Lady of Guadalupe. She came, she goes, no, but I'll be picking you. And I'm like, and she goes, you are a star in my veil. You, I've never left your side. You've always been mothered. And I was raised Catholic and I just, my life had fallen apart. I had gotten to the Baja and she said, and I knew you were so tired. And so that's why I brought you here. And all you have to do is just be part of the beauty here. And so and I'll be with you. And I, uh, I shook up. It was like, and it was all like a vision. And some of you were just thinking like, this is the craziest thing. Question everything. If it hurts you, if the thought is stressful, yeah, question. Because yeah. there's nowhere, even if your mom was completely incapable and maybe engaged in some addictions or something, if you're standing and, and you are um, alive, like, your reality is not how you have come to believe it. Question it so that your experience can be bigger and more multidimensional, not a victim. And then that way you can better parent your kids and you can be a better employee. So yeah. I'm not sure what needed to go there. But no,
0: I love that. Well, I did a I did a psilocybin trip probably six months ago. Um, and it was my first, like, I mean, I'm a scaredy cat of everything.
1: I'm a total scaredy cat when it comes to drugs. I'm like, I'm Nancy yeah. Rae, like, prodigy
0: yes dare I mean I I remember the egg in the frying pan yeah this is your brain on drugs and and um and it was great too like I had a wonderful journey and I was in this like wilderness and I call it the bunny and the squirrel these like animated bunny and squirrel came which is like not something I would think and then my little like three-year-old self teetered out there to play in this magical forest and I got to hug her and she hugged like she hugged me it wasn't even me trying to like parent her she was the one saying, you know what, I'm good. It's kind of like my little Vivi at the kitchen table. She's like, I'm good. Like, you don't have to be upset. And when it was time to leave, you know, when you're starting to like come out of it, I said, you know, I don't want to leave. And my little woodland friend said, you know, you can come visit us anytime you want in meditation. And, you know, little Liz is going to live here with us and she's just going to play because you never got to, is what they said. And I was like, okay. You know, I mean, it was like, I think that we do all have these, stories that we identify with of our childhood or my mom was, you know, some sort of like detached boomer who just didn't know better and and all this stuff. And I think it's just all bullshit. Like it's just all these stories and everybody's trying to compare who's got the worst story. And it's like, if we just focus on the village that we do have in each other,
1: what if our kids okay? will be great? What if, what if we're, we're all, all okay? okay? What if we're all okay? And I'm not discounting feelings or trying to be, you know, a toxic positivity but what I love about your journey, like what if we're just all okay? Like I've stepped out of the hustle culture and my life is so much better because my new word is like enough. I decide for myself what is enough. And I, I live with that. And I want people, my only goal right now in life is to love people so that they are confident that at least in my eyes, they were always enough. That's all we have to do. Like even if they're eating joy waffles, but I think as moms, we think we're self-help projects. Like, oh, I'm gonna get more productive, and oh, I'm gonna like lose weight, and I'm gonna. I know while I'm on this serious step, or I'll read my child a book and I'll videotape it. So when I'm gone, I don't. I'm like, you're not a self-help project, and it's not about all of that. If you want to be the best working mom ever, heal yourself. Do your inner healing work. Do your evolution, whether it's internal family systems work or it's. You know, but the thing we're doing, the next thing we're like, how do I survive a narcissist? Like, stop labeling people narcissists. Stop, 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 stop. Go inside. to stop in grief that you didn't have the mom you'd hoped for in the way you'd hope. Do your grieving. Do yeah. your healing. And what if we're all just like enough? And especially we quit judging each other as, as moms. Like, what Good if we enough. all just sat together and said, we're having no big sales. Here's twenty damn dollars. What I these? know.
0: Can we get that though? I mean, that's the thing. Is like the mom competition really is that soul crushing? When I mean, I've been at playdates before, or whatever, and there is like this. Oh well, you know, she's just never around, or she travels, and I think these chicks don't know that they're talking to somebody who, you know, that I'm was like, my former life, and now starting to ramp up to be that my life, my life again. And I'm like, oh my god, like let this woman live. And by the way. Her kid is at this play date having the best time ever. It doesn't matter if I was the one that brought the kid or if she brought the kid like we're 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 already not only are we diagnosing our children's experiences, we're diagnosing other women's children. You don't know. So be quiet. Take a seat. Like maybe just instead send her a picture of her kid having a great time so she feels a little less now. fucking guilty
1: on her trip. And that righteousness does yeah. not come out of an authentic place that you feel good about either. I've sat behind women. I'm at a baseball game with my, you know, air back and my baseball head on, hearing them talk about Henry's mm-hmm. such a sweet kid. Too bad his mom never comes to his ball games. And I'm like in the uncomfortable position of being right behind stuff. And I'm like, oh I don't even know how they interrupt that. But for me, there are two types of acts or deeds, acts of love or cries for love. And the only appropriate response as a woman, I'll go first. It's a loving one because the same mom who has such harsh judgment of a working mom is so scared that they're not providing enough. Like, we're all that's all ego, fear based stuff. I talk about this in my book, Life's Messy Live Happy, so much by personal experiences. It's all ego based and we all wait for, like, we're going to protect ourselves. Like, I just, a lot of times people are like, I, I, you know, noticed. Or somebody will say, you know, you um, haven't contributed. I'm making enough to like this bake sale for a couple of times. And I just am willing to agree with people. I'm like, I know I've noticed that about myself too. I think it's been twice. Because <laughs> if I can set the example of how to screw up two bake sales and like love myself anyway, I give them permission to love right. themselves a anyway. million percent. And I happen to have some resources and suddenly, you know, I can make amends. How can I make that up? Can I contribute money? And a lot of people get real rigid. They're like, no, you, your punishments, you have to run the whole next bank sale. And I'm like, okay, well, um, while I'm not willing to do that, that sounds like a disaster because I am I don't even agree with bake sales. You yeah, know, what I great, right. and I make an offering. And I think so many times we outsource our self-love to somebody else. We outsource our decisions to what other people will think. We ask ourselves things like, should I do this? Or should I say, should I go? Should, horrible word. Yeah. Is, you have to figure out what good girls do. It's so situational. One weekend, you have time. You're like, well, I can do that. One weekend, you don't. And it's like, yeah. Like better, if you want better answers, ask better questions. What's my soul crave right now? Yeah. What am I meaning? And then the other thing that I just not feel guilty about is ask for what you need and people with more capacity in that moment can give it. Like, I love if you're, if you're, Momming as a, a couple or a team or a village or an intergenerational family, however, you're momming. The great question when you meet at the door with the person you're parenting with, you just ask them, like, where's your meter at? Mine's at 12%. Yeah. And they're like, right. Well, I have 42%. It's like, okay, so how can we lower our standards? And you do just a little bit more, but let's get baths tonight. And yeah. And I think we need to do that more with working moms too. Um, yeah. But the thing that keeps us hooked at work. It's not work's demands. It's our agreeing to work's demands because we want to manage and control how we are seen. And that's ego. Like Anne Lamont says, help is the sunny side of control. And so many of us are doing all these good girl things and we think it's generosity, it's overgiving, and it's an attempt to manipulate how people think of us so that we don't have to um, feel our own, Ways that we feel unworthy at times. Oh my God. I
0: love that you said that. I heard too, it was a quote. Somebody said, you know, when you offer a suggestion once, it's helpful. When you do it a second time, it's control. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, isn't that true? Maybe that's I don't know. We're probably like soul
1: sisters in this sense. But when somebody You in my book, I have a whole chapter on um, generosity and like overgiving. Oh Oh my God. Overgiving Mm -hmm. is different from generosity. Generosity you give because you just want to spread love. But if you have motive about what the person should do with that gift, I tell the story, like I got my sister a freaking new liver, like all in the up and out, I fought the insurance company. I fought prejudice about her alcoholism. Like I fought, I fought, I fought. And our whole family did. And we are exhausted. And she had zero gratitude. She was ticked because she wanted to keep drinking after. I'm like, and that's when I realized that Generosity. I'm a very generous spirit, but if I have any resentment, if I have any lingering, um, any expectations, yes, that then uh, it isn't generosity. It's it's control. it's control. And I think we're so focused on how the world treats us that we don't do enough for how we're treating ourselves and how we treat each other. Like we're outsourcing that. Like yeah, I think the world's pretty patriarchal, and I think it's you know we have a right. lot of humans to do, but we're not going to heal. By condemning half the human race, we're going to heal ourselves so that when some, let's say, person identifies as male is theoretically explaining to me, it's not personal. I can say, oh my gosh, thank you for such a thorough explanation about how I should, you know, have the done in my house and I'll take it from here. I appreciate it. Thanks. Like, how can we walk through the world that peacefully? Right. I mean, it's the thing that if you want to walk through the world in peacefully and lovingly and skillfully, the messy world, then you have to go inside and evolve and forge that wisdom right. and those practices because the depth of your wisdom will determine how skillfully you can walk through the world with love. So if you're walking through the world with a lot of anger, it has nothing to do with the world. Life's messy. You're living right. has to do, and I'm not blaming you. It's not like, oh, you need therapy. No. Yeah. But it's you a
0: reflection. They say, like, boring people are bored, you know, so they say, like, if you're out and you're pissed off, it's because, you know, it's just a reflection of what you already are. So to your point, you could get upset with that roofer or whoever and say, who do you think I am? Do I look like an idiot? You don't have to mansplain that to me.
1: Like, I mean, and, and that story eight more times for us all the dish on men that mansplain.
0: Right. It's like and how you checked that person or how our husband was shitty. And then we you know what I mean? Like it is. but. I do feel like overarchingly, I've loved about this conversation that I love the personal stories that we've been able to share. But this other bigger piece too, I really feel like when you talk about working moms, it really can be decisive because it's either, you know, you're a working mom or you're stay at home. And in my book too, I have like a a whole note on like stay at home moms. And I'm like, it's not judging them or anything, but I think we just really have to have some grace for each other. And like, if that works for you, great. Who am I to say that my road is better? It's not. It's good for me. And if we can just inch a little closer to that place and not talk shit about other moms at yeah. the baseball game or at playdates or when you're having mom wine night or whatever people have, like, I think that that is something that's gonna be reflected in our experience for ourselves.
1: And so. to stop transferring our anxiety to others, like stop like, yeah. transferring you know, because I even I send that to just people in, in women, like if you're a stay at home mom, you have your own challenges in yeah. not to be righteous and justify like that. I expect them to do more for me. Like they also don't work for me. Or if you have chosen or not chosen not to have kids or like I just think we need to as individuals say, come to the table, talk to us about what you want to co-create together yeah. and talk to us about what you need and, yeah. and can we all, you know, meet that need. And those conversations are just better. Like I really believe if we're exhausted in a conversation, we should just end all exhausting conversations. Just end them. Don't even like no more. Yeah. And right. begin new conversations. And that's what we're not doing enough of is we're still involved in exhausting conversations. Like, but I think difference. if people
0: leave those conversations, they're going to be alone. Because I've been literally at my house before and had friends over and it is it's who's going to a private school? Who's this? Who's that? And at one point I just said, I can't talk about this. Stop. I can't. I refuse to be part of this conversation. We have to have better shit to talk about. Like, I want to know your dreams. Like, what are we doing? How can I help you? It is, but came along. But guess what? I lost a lot of friends from that. Like if it, it, you know what I mean, it can get lonely before you start attracting those other women and that yes. want to have those other conversations. So you have to be prepared and you have to be OK with letting those people fall away because they might not be ready to change the conversation.
1: It might not be. And they have their own lives. And sometimes they come back just because they, we might have gotten them reflective, but it's just not our business. But what I have found is a lot of people can be like, well, vibrating kind of at a healthier frequency is lonely. For me, um, it was lonely because I only focused on who left my life and I was missing all these people who would come into my life because I'm still operating out of old rules. I'm like, so will you be my new friend and can we do everything every Thursday night? And a woman's like, no, but I'd love to spend 12 minutes with you right now. Can we make good? at so this time, like what I wanted, new relationships under old rules. And now there's some women I interact with, I, May never see again, but the twelve minutes we were together were glorious. And I think we've got to just start operating under um, new expectations that you don't have to sign up for my lifelong friends if that happens. Amazing, but the kind of relationships that I may not talk to you again, like just because right. our lives go different ways. But if you texted me and said, si it's Elizabeth from Working Moms Podcast, and I need you," I guarantee you, I'm like, oh, I
0: know. Right. I love that you said that. Oh, my God. Okay. There's so many little nuggets here. But even if you just leave this episode with that, I agree. I was in New York a couple weeks ago and I had some of the most incredible conversations and they were an hour, but they were with all of these different women. And you do sometimes you want to cling to that. I'm like, okay, we're going to be friends now. And we're going to keep up and we're going to plan the retreat. And we don't have time for that. Or we could just be cool with that hour. Yeah. Love and then everything. let's see the, the universe. Yeah. Let's just see what the universe does. Maybe, maybe not. But if not, I mean, God, I love that. But I think you're right. Like we have to first be okay with the potential loneliness before we can really start like seeing the other people that are quite literally right in front of us most of the time.
1: And one of the questions that I think we can help each other with in order to get people's full perspective, like I started doing this during COVID, I used to do it as a, a therapist, is I would say what three words describe um, emotions for you right now. And three is important because if I go, how you doing? You know, I'm super busy. I'm like, I didn't ask, like, if you're busy, I ask like, how you're feeling? Like, what's your experience? Or a lot of people are like, well, one word to answer stress. Like there's nothing else. But if I go three words, then you get to tell me who you are. I'm grateful. My daughter dreamt about getting into college and she got an acceptance. And I am um, sad because I was just with my mom and she's declined a lot. And I'm a little bit excited because I kind of have this new thing I've been thinking about. Now, how I know that you showed up real, how I can facilitate that is I asked you and you responded in a spectrum. And we just need to start showing people that life is bigger than, you know, I'm stressed about whether my kid got into private school or not. Yeah, I love that. We that we have so much more impact over our children than we do. By the way, I have four sons and um we are partners in that these kids were given to us they are not ours they are not our possession every mom will harm their children and your mom harmed you in some ways and every mom will um prepare your kids I have been super duper resilient because I grew up with like if you had one more need the whole family was going to fall apart like there's too much stress six or seven kids are like holy crap you cannot be hungry that just is not acceptable right now like like right. that of a lot. And at the same time, in the end, it all rounds out because what my mom didn't give me, if I'm open to it for experiences or teaching, the world gave me, or there was a yeah. woman in front of me, or a marriage put in front of me that I had to decide was a short term, not long term thing. Like we are so picky about how we get our needs met and it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. I was once married to a guy and I'm like, I just, like was always on him. I just didn't feel like he should be enough affection. We were kind of going through some tough times. And so I went to a counselor with him and the counselor said, what is it you need, sign? And I go, I just want like a hug and to be told like I'm okay. Like, and she goes, okay, well, if you go, if you need that, then go up to your husband and go, sweetie, I need a hug right now. And I need you to tell me I'm okay. And I went, it doesn't count if you have to ask I have for to it. Tell him." Then she goes, oh, I know. I go, even if I ask him that he gets mad, it's not like a sincere hug. She goes, no problem. Just walk out. You live in the cul-de-sac, walk out in the cul-de-sac and just go to every guy on the cul-de-sac and go up and go, Ralph, neighbor Ralph, who's like 60. Like, I need a hug and I need, if that's what I need, I need you to tell me that I'm okay. And it was so funny because I actually jokingly did that. And Ralph was like, maybe? And what was so funny yeah. is when I was like, well, now I want to hug her. Like, I want to make right. sure get their hugs for me. But we're yeah. just, so, yeah. Our about ego him. wants us to be a victim so bad that it puts so many conditions on how we get our needs met that they can never be met. And that's the setup. So then I can be the kid with unmet needs. So yeah. like Vivian's wow. just like, good. Like I'm I know. Good.
0: She is good. She gets it.
1: Thank you so much for this You're time welcome. today. Everybody pick up
0: reality-based leadership, ditch the drama, restore sanity to the workplace, and turn excuses into results. I love that. You're a no bullshit kind of gal, which is thank my you. kind and My of-
1: newest book is called Life's Messy,
0: Live Happiness. Yes. All for it's Everybody get it. And the No Ego podcast, but for sure, guys, follow her on Instagram. Everything's tagged below. But I love the no excuses, radical accountability approach that you have. I share it. Um, and I think we just need more voices like you. So thank you for being on the show
1: today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. It's been great.